Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Amen. Amen. I am just so thrilled and thanking God for the beautiful service so far. And I pray that His Holy Spirit will continue to be with us as we continue. Thank you, the three A's. The three A's <laughs> for that song. Amen. Uh, you think you, got, you have a group name now, right? <laughs> the three A's. Thank you, Arlen, Anna, and Angel. And I also want to thank my dear wife for singing our first special item of music. Were it not for grace, indeed, where would we be? Wandering down some pointless road to nowhere with our salvation up to us. It's good to see familiar faces, some faces I haven't seen in a while. And it's also good to meet the new family. Now, I know that when I stood up here at first, I said, you know, I know that you're all going to be staying. But then I heard a prayer request for a safe journey back. <laughs> that was a nice way to counter but we know one day the family will come together never more to part. Amen? Amen. 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 So it's good to see all of you. And uh, as we are beginning, you're getting a handout. Um, it may not be enough for every single person to get one, but there should be enough at least one per couple, or if you're, if you're single, you have one. Uh, and you can turn on your Bible, or you can turn in your Bible as we study. Amen? You might either flip the pages or click the screen, but whatever you do, make sure you follow today as we study the Word of God. Amen? And, uh, you know, I just like the way God works in, in keeping with uh, the baby blessings that we just had. You know, they, they were just, they're, they're new to this world. The Lord impressed on my heart to to share a part of a sermon series that I entitled Our Greatest Need. It's actually part four that focuses on the new birth. And I've titled it, or subtitled it, Nicodemus in Night Class. Nicodemus in Night Class. Now, uh, anybody here ever been to night class? Had to go to class at night? It's not the easiest thing, is it? It's not the easiest thing. I, I, I once had, I, I taught in an evening institute for about a year, um, some time ago. And it's not the easiest thing, because you have the pressure of the entire day that's on you, and you, you still have to go and put your brain to work at night. Well, we're going to look a little bit at the subject, Nicodemus in night class. But it would be remiss of me to go any further without one more time soliciting God's Holy Spirit. Would you please bow with me as we pray? Loving Father, thank you, Lord, for what has taken place here so far today. And Lord, even now as we go into this portion of the service, I ask again, Father, that your Holy Spirit will be with us all. 
Though I've planned and I've prepared, I pray that your Holy Spirit will present through me. Lord, may we all be blessed and challenged and encouraged alike. So take this message, Father, and deliver it, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I hope you have a pen or a pencil that you can follow as we go. Thank you for our scripture reading, Sister Lisa. And it was taken from the book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Nicodemus in night class. Now, now let's take a moment and look at our and look at our introduction. Like many people today, you might have to turn me down. Like many people today, Nicodemus longed for. What do you think that first blank is? I like to do this interaction. So I, I used to be a, a teacher for a few years. You know, twelve or so years ago. And the Lord has still has that aspect in me. All right? So we've got to go together. Amen? So we're going to work on these blanks together. Like many people today, Nicodemus longed for, what do you think that first blank is? It starts with A. Ah. He longed for the assurance of salvation. This is very, very important. We're going to see this coming out in just a moment. He longed for the assurance of salvation. One night, Jesus introduced him to the importance of receiving, what everyone? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Into one's life. Without him, now you notice, I bold and underline that word. Without him. It's very important for us, my friends, to understand as we move through this message and as we move through life, that the Holy Spirit is a person. Amen? The Holy Spirit is not some force. The Holy Spirit isn't gravity. The Holy Spirit is a person. Albeit he may seem to be uh, the, the, the least defined in the scriptures, but we must understand beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit is a person. And as you study through scripture... He is a part of the deity. He is God. Amen? Without him, we can do how much? Nothing. Nothing. Furthermore, we cannot enter God's kingdom without him leading us to a new birth. But how does this happen? What does it really mean to be, to be born again? Let us prayerfully go back to God's word as we find the answer to these all important questions. So pray as we study together. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. Now, this is very important. First of all, there's a lot of information even packed into verse 1. So let's unpack it together. First of all, he was a Pharisee. From this we know that he was a very learned man. He was very schooled. 
He was very well educated in the ways of the Jews. He, he had uh, most likely memorized the law given to God, given to Moses through God. Amen? He had uh, had, if, if, if he was in today's circumstances, he probably would be very lettered. We also know that most likely Nicodemus was wealthy. And of course, we see that coming out after uh, the crucifixion of Christ. The name Nicodemus means the people's victory or victory for the people. The, the N-I-C-O, if you see it today, somebody whose name is Nicole or Nicholas, it means victory or the people's victory. And the last part, D-E-M, for me, we use the word, you know, demographic study. It's a people study. Put those two together. It means victory for the people. So here's a man whose name represented victory for the people. The interesting thing is the victory for the people could only come from the one whom he was now going to seek. Are you with me? He was a ruler of the Jews. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night. I'm reading from the New King James. He came to Jesus by night. Now this says something. Jesus was very easily accessible by day. Everybody knew where Jesus was. But he chose night time to go and see Jesus. Now a number of reasons can be put forward. You know, maybe he, he just wanted a, a private audience. But there is another reason that comes to mind, especially as you study and, and as you recognize the society to which Nicodemus was a part and the society it seemed as if Jesus was a part. You see, Jesus was looked down on by those of Nicodemus's cohort. Are you with me? He was one who was known to associate with you know, the, the beggars and the drunkards and the harlots. And Nicodemus was a man of class. But there was something in Nicodemus' heart that said, I need to get in touch with this man. Amen? I hope you have that same burning experience of wanting to stay in touch with that man, Jesus Christ. And so he came by night. He wanted to make sure he had a private audience. He wanted to make sure that he would be unhindered. And he, he for some reason, didn't want to be discovered at least just yet. But we know later on that Nicodemus didn't matter what time it didn't matter what time it was. Nicodemus came out in the daytime. Amen. After the crucifixion of Christ, he came came out in full. And he used his own wealth and his own money for the benefit of those who followed Jesus Christ. But let's get back to this present time. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, "Rabbi," meaning teacher or master, "We know that you are a teacher come from God. Notice he said we. He wasn't talking here about the Jews, but he was talking about the Pharisees. Nicodemus, he was also a part of the Sanhedrin, that, that upper echelon, if you please, of that group. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Pause for one more moment. Friends, what Jesus was about to teach him and what all of Scripture reveals is that we do not identify someone merely by the signs or miracles that they do. Now, it is true that Jesus was indeed a man come from God. He was God himself. 
Uh, but later on, Jesus would, uh, would teach and say, listen, you don't follow me because of these, these miracles and these signs, but you go back to Scripture because Scripture testifies about me. Are you with me? And that's how we identify the truth, not merely by miracles and signs, because there's many miracles and signs going on today. Have mercy. Verse 3. Somehow there seems to be, as it were, a disconnect, at least on the surface level. If we're looking at how Jesus responds, it's like, where did this come from? Nicodemus says, hey, we, we, we know that you are a teacher come from God. The average person would think that Jesus would re- respond in the affirmative and, and engage Nicodemus in some conversation and said, yes, and let me tell you some more. But, but Jesus as it were, cuts to the chase. He, he looks at the very heart of Nicodemus as was revealed by the Holy Spirit and he recognized that Nicodemus needed something more. Follow me. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So here now we begin to look at, number one, it is the, what everyone? The challenge of the new birth. The challenge. The challenge. Stay with me. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now bear in mind that (laughs) this is a ruler of the Jews. A man learned in the scriptures. And here he asks a question that almost seems preposterous. A question that reveals his dearth of knowledge. Or should I say wisdom? Verse 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so Jesus continues, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Now this was indeed a challenge. Now, now, now notice, Jesus here gives, he, he, he gives two uh, areas of thought on which Nicodemus had to think. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus, he, he, he said, listen, am I supposed to go back in my mother's womb and be born again? He was thinking merely of the physical experience. But I want you to remember something, my friends. If you go back in your mind's eye to the book of Genesis, you will remember that when God made us, God made us in his image. Are you with me? Now the question is, what does it mean to be made in God's image? Friends, to be made in God's image has very little to do with what we look like physically. Hello. We know that, you know, we, got, we all got eyes and, and ears, and the Bible tells us of the hand of God when he, when he, he wrote on the wall. Now he etched the commandments in stone. We, we know that. But the Bible tells us in John 4, 24, the very next chapter, that God is spirit. Amen? And they that worship him must do what? 
worship him in spirit and in truth. So therefore, with the fact that we're made in God's image, it, 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 it only stands to reason that there is something about us that God made to be like him, something that can reflect who he is. And Jesus was seeking to get Nicodemus to come to this part. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, it's interesting that when you're born, okay, when you're born, you have to break the water. Hello? Think about it now. You got to break the water and you got to come through. Amen? When you are reborn, symbolically, you got to break the water. Hello? But that's only one part. That you must be born of water and the Spirit. You remember when Paul was talking to a group of believers and he asked them, have you ever been baptized? And they said, yes, we've been baptized unto John's baptism. And he said to them, listen, John indeed baptized with water. But water is not enough. There has to be the spiritual side of it. Amen? Verse 8 says, John chapter 3, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from, nor where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Very interestingly, Jesus was simply saying, listen, the process of the new birth is not something that you can exactly pinpoint and put your hand on. Now, we might be able to tell the direction of the wind, but you can't trace the wind and find its source. Are you with me? When the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, you might remember when you recognized it and say, hey, this was the day I gave my, my heart to the Lord. But listen, the Holy Spirit been working on you a long time before that. But we haven't come to the challenge just yet. Here's the challenge. Verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? <laughs> now, we, we, we might chuckle at that, you know, reading it you know, with our own imagination. But know that Jesus never needlessly spoke a harsh word. Amen? He was seeking to pull something out of him and say, listen, you have these scriptures, but don't you understand these things as a teacher in Israel? Friends, it behooves us then by the grace of God, to try to get a new glimpse or a new understanding of the new birth, even today. Water has very little to do with it. You can point to examples, even in the Bible, when there are some who didn't have a water rebirth. Amen? Can you think of one? Give me that example, that one person. Who is he? Uh-oh, you're not there. The thief on the cross. Right? He was right there, nailed on that piece of board up next to Jesus. But friends, I want to challenge you. He had the new birth experience. So we got to go back and find out exactly what it is. So Jesus says here, listen, are you a teacher and you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak. Now, this is very interesting. Jesus is now speaking in the plural. We speak what we know and testify that what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. I can just imagine Nicodemus' face. 
as he begins to recognize that the one who is speaking to him, the one who is speaking through the one speaking to him is of a completely different order. And so here is presented to us the challenge, my friends. You and I, if we are to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must be born again. Now, I'm going to share a statement with you that is going to be very challenging. Okay? It's challenged me. It's a statement that is very challenging. Now, first of all, let me ask you, who is our example? Jesus Christ. Who are we to strive to be like? Now, the thing is, we put a lot of emphasis on our own striving. But that's not where the focus should be. But let me show you something. Look at this statement right here. Not even by a thought. Not even by what? A thought. It's on your notes also. Could our Savior be brought to yield to the power of temptation? Satan finds in human hearts, that's our hearts, some point where he can gain a foothold. Some sinful desire is cherished, have mercy, by means of which his temptations assert their power. James 1, 13 through 15, it tells us how it is that we're tempted. When we're tempted because of our cherished desires. Are you with me? But Christ declared of himself, the prince of this world cometh and hath what, everyone? Nothing in me. John 14, verse 30. Satan could find nothing in the Son of God that would enable him to gain the victory. He had kept his father's what, everyone? Commandments. And there was no sin in him that Satan could use to his advantage. Now here's the challenge. This is the condition in which those must be found who shall stand in the time of trouble. And I say, Lord, have mercy on me. How is this supposed to be, Lord? Not even to a thought? I know that every day I am challenged by my own thoughts, even if they don't become actions. I know that in me is deceitfulness and wickedness and nothing good. How can I expect then to enter into the kingdom of God if being born again is the prerequisite of getting there? How is it that's supposed to happen? Oh, praise God for his grace. Amen? Friends, I want us to recognize that the very thing that Jesus had is possible for us to have. Amen? But it's not by your power or by mine. Let me ask you, how much work and effort do you think Samuel or Wyatt put into getting here? How much work and effort do you think they're putting into their own sustenance right now? You think they're feeding themselves? Uh, excuse my bad English. Do you think that they're feeding themselves? When they want something, nah. When they want to be clean, nah. Oh, that sounds like goats, sorry. When they're sleepy, the same thing. And mommy or daddy has to, has to, to come running with the answer to the problem. Friends, we must be born again. Jesus said, except you become like a little child. 
you can in no way enter the kingdom of God. Friends, this is a challenge for you and for me. The problem is, we have something that we like to hold on to, and it's called C-H-O-I-C-E. Did I spell that right? Choice. So, let's move from the challenge and quickly go on to the next one. What is number two? The process of the new birth. The process. The process. We already read John chapter 3, verse 8, which speaks of the wind uh, you know, going where it wishes, and you cannot tell the source thereof, so is everyone born of the Spirit. Now, now, now let's look at something else uh, in, in Scripture. Look at what Paul says in the book of Ephesians. Look at this, my friends. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to begin at verse 22. Mm, i got to begin before that. I'm going to read this very fast, so you've got to follow with me, okay? Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to go back to verse 17. Follow this now. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind. Notice that. Paul is here saying to the Ephesian church, don't walk according to the way that other Gentiles walk. By the way, that's you and me. We're all Gentiles. Anybody here is born Jew? Literally? Jewish? No, right? We're all Gentiles. This message applies to all of us. But here Paul says, listen, don't walk according to the futility of the mind as the other Gentiles walk, verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, in other words, they've lost uh, their, their sense of feeling, their, their conscience has been severed, in other words, Okay, having given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Here's the answer now. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts or desires. And notice this now, and be ye renewed in the what? Are you following me here in the Bible? In the spirit of your mind. Now, now notice this. This is not the brain, okay? This is the mind. Th- th- these two things are different. Now, albeit the mind is seated in the brain, but the brain and the mind are different. When God made us in his image, however he did it, he put that portion of himself that reflects his character. And the bad thing is, sin has almost obliterated the image of God in man. How do you think it is that a, a, a one man will walk down the street and look on another man, flesh just like him, and mow him down as if he was not even there? He has lost the image of God. He has lost the sense of being made in God's image. He's past feeling. Keep on looking here. Verse 24 says, And that you put on the what man? The new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So in other words, my friends, putting off the old man. Part of the new birth experience, my friends, is the things that we used to love. We don't love them anymore. 
The things we used to do, we don't do them anymore. We have to make that choice. And even if that choice is not easily made, when we give that choice over to the Holy Spirit, he begins to take it and make it a little bit easier each and every day. Amen? If you go to the gym and you've never lifted 100 weights before and you try to do that, you will crush yourself. But you better start out with 10 pounds, 5 pounds even. And the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to work your way up. Amen? Let's keep on looking at this. Look at with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. This is a very, very beautiful passage. Look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Talking about the new birth. Beautiful passage. Look at this. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, 2 Corinthians 3.18, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. See that? From glory to glory, just as by what? The Spirit of the Lord. So Now notice this. It says we are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What does this mean? Think of a child. Or go back in your own childhood years. Or if you're still a child, think of who you have as a role model. You remember those days when we would we'd hold up, whether it is maybe a basketball star or whatever, say, oh, I want to be like Mike. Friends, don't forget who the real Michael is. Oh, I wish I had the time to study that this morning, but I don't. You become like the one whom you put your eyes on. How do do we think that we're going to become more like Jesus, but every day we're sitting before something that looks like this, maybe not this big, I don't know if you have one that big, in your house, and everything that we're watching is from the enemy's camp. And we say, oh, it doesn't have an effect on me. Have mercy. Six days a week we are, and on one day a week, then we're Christians. It doesn't work that way, my friends. But as we give that choice daily to Jesus, you know, your taste buds can change. Your taste buds change. Uh, There are things that you used to like, mm -mm, it, it has lost its taste. Because by faith, we begin to practice, and then faith becomes action. Amen? And so, there's something very interesting. You don't have to turn there, but think about Psalm 51, verse 10 and 11. This is David's prayer. After he had committed that very great sin, he said, create in me a what? A clean heart. And renew a right Spirit, you see, my friends, our greatest need is the Holy Spirit. We need to be talking about it, praying about it, asking for him in our daily life. If we don't do that, we will have no power. Now, I want to do a little example that I usually do in the first part of the series, but you didn't have it, so I'm going to do the example here, okay? Maybe I did it here some, some couple years ago when I was pastor of this church, but we'll do it again, okay? The Spirit is to your soul, your spiritual being, what breath is to your body. Are you with me? Right? Now, I want everybody to take a nice, deep, Paul's Valley breath. Okay? Ready? Now, you're going to take a deep breath, and you're going to hold it. 
Are you, are you with me? Ready? Let's go. Deep breath in. Now, I could talk. You can't talk. Hold it. Don't breathe out. Hold it for as long as you can. Hold it. Hold it. Oh, oh you let go. You, you already lost. Hmm? Hold it. Uh-oh, I see some other people breathing. Hold it. Oh, you let go. Mm-hmm. Hold it. Okay, we give the mothers a break. You can let go. Go ahead. Oh, hold on. Oh, no, no, not everybody. Uh-oh. That's how long you can go without the Spirit of God. You need breath to stay alive. And if breath to the body is the same thing what the Holy Spirit is to your spiritual life, that's how long you can go without having the Spirit in your life. The moment you stop breathing is the moment you start dying. Hello? That's why Paul says we pray without ceasing. Always living in an attitude of prayer and Satan cannot get a foothold in your life. Friends, I am still learning that lesson. If I waited till I learned that lesson, I would never preach a sermon. Amen. So what is the next one? Notice that in your handout, two and three are linked. Okay? The process, and notice I didn't start off with saying the experience of, because it's not final. We are experiencing the new birth. Okay? We are experiencing the new birth. This is very important. Now, when you think about the Apostle Paul, all that comes to your mind is good stuff. Right? But of course, you will remember that he had a past. Okay? But, but he's gotten past that. But notice something that he said in the book of Romans. Notice something that he said in the book of Romans chapter 7. Okay? And this, you might say, is your experience. If you go a few verses just before you get to verse 22, Paul says, listen, I see a challenge going on in me. I see my flesh working against my spirit. The good things that I want to do, I can't do them. Can anybody identify with that? Don't raise your hand. Uh, but, but, but the bad things that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. This is what Paul is saying. We pick up at verse 22. For I delight in the law of God according to the inner man, the mind, the spirit. But I see another law in my members, meaning my body, warring against the law of my mind. He's talking about the experience, this process. It's a struggle that's going on. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members or my body, my flesh. O wretched man that I am. He cries out, who can deliver me from this body of death? And the answer, my friends, is found in the very next verse. We can't stop reading. It says, I thank God for Jesus. Amen? Because there we have the answer. Amen? It's in his ever-abiding presence through his Holy Spirit. You see, a lot of times we treat Jesus like a gas station. 
We only go there when we're empty. But it doesn't work that way. We have got to be ever plugged in. Amen? Because the, the, the power is not resident in us. And so look at this. Look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Now, this is awesome. Now, now, now Paul is very real here, okay? And you, if you have any problems with these words, take it to Paul, okay? Take it to God. But this is his word. And I'll read it in your hearing, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. He says something very, very poignant right here. Speaking of those who have experienced at least the beginning of the new birth, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this part is where the good thing comes. He says, but such were some of you. What tense is that, my friends? Past tense. But you were washed. That's the water. Hello. But you were sanctified. That's the spirit. That you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see why the Holy Spirit is our greatest need? Friends, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He doesn't knock you down. He, he doesn't have you rolling around on the, on the floor, foaming at the mouth. Uh-uh. But He lifts you up and sets your feet on a solid rock and directs your path onto the throne of God. Amen? I don't, I don't mean to be insensitive, my friends. But the Holy Spirit doesn't make a fool out of people, running them up and down the aisle. He doesn't do that. God is not a God of chaos. He is a God of order. Amen? Now, 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 it, now if something is exciting about you, you know, something that, that God did for you. I, I remember one time, you know, some of you know a little bit about our story, about that little boy in the back there. He's had 21 surgeries, okay? The very, very first one that we were preparing for, we didn't have the money, and the insurance was denying anything because they said, you know, uh, this type of condition doesn't come under this clause, blah, 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 blah. Anybody know anything about insurance? Anyway, I remember just a few days before we were supposed to go, a few weeks before we were supposed to go for the surgery at Johns Hopkins, I got an email from our patient coordinator that said, I got a phone call that said, your son has been approved to be covered for a lifetime maximum of $1 million. Let me tell you something. I had a version of the Spirit that day. I ran around that house saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you. Now, you could do that in your private house, but don't come inside of here running up and down the aisle saying, thank you, Jesus. You're going to look crazy. Are you with me? You have your personal private experience and you come and you give your gift of adoration to the Lord. But the Holy Spirit, he doesn't have you, you, you falling out, running up and down naked, jumping on hot coals. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He lifts you up and takes your bad ways and gives you good ways. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 16, that a righteous man might fall seven times. But he what? He gets back up. 
Friends, part of the secret is if you fall down by the grace of God, get up. It doesn't mean that you were perfect when you were baptized. That's not what it means. But it means that you have accepted a new way. Amen? You have accepted a new way. And if you fall down, God can lift you up. Don't you think that Samuel and Wyatt are going to fall down a few times? Hello? They're going to reach out, Daddy. Reach out to Mommy and say, lift me up. Yes. But it's the baby steps until we reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so, my friends, we come to point number four. <laughs> Please, I would like for you to make sure that as you take, these, uh, you take these sermon notes home, that you read through the rest of these texts. Now, look at this. Number four, my friends, is what, everyone? The reality. It's the what? Reality of the new birth. Now, this is beautiful, okay? Now, I mentioned David's name earlier, okay? Uh, what are some of the bad things that come to your mind when you think of David? Mercy. People saying, mm, we can't talk that in church. <laughs> David, he was a murderer. He plotted the death of one of his best friends. David, he was a liar. He feigned madness before a king. He was an adulterer. He took another man's wife and planned that man's death and then made it look as if nothing had happened. Have mercy. Whenever we think about David, some people like to think about, oh, the Psalms that he wrote and all these things. Listen, David had a terrible past. But I want you to see the reality. The what, everyone? The reality of the new birth by the grace of God through his Holy Spirit. Look with me at 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse 7. Oh, this is amazing. If you miss any other text I've read, don't miss this one. 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse 7. This is God now speaking to the prophet who was supposed to take a message to Jeroboam, okay? The king of Israel. He said, go Tell Jeroboam, listen to this, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you from among my people and made you ruler over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. Now notice this, and you have not been like my servant David. What? Who kept my commandments... And followed me with most of his heart? How much? All of his heart. God isn't finished yet. Look at this next line. To do only what was good in my sight. You said it right. What? Uh, okay. Has God had a lapse of memory here? Heavens forbid. No, he hasn't. He, 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 he has no shortage of memory. But friends, oh, God is a good God. You know what you have done in your own life. I know what I have done in my own life. 
And it was recorded here what David did in his life. And God could say that about David? I've never killed anybody. Oh, praise God, I've never done some of those things that David has done. I've never taken another man's wife. But listen, my friends. God is a God of mercy and love. And that prayer that David prayed became a reality in his life. Create in me a what heart? A clean heart. And renew what? A right spirit within me. And friends, when that happens in your life, God pushes delete on all of your sins. Now, my friends, make no mistake. The process of sanctification is not necessarily a short one. Some say it's the experience of a lifetime. Let me say it this way. It is the experience of the lifetime of the Christian for however the Christian is alive. For however long the Christian is alive. Do you understand what I just said? You see, my friends, let us recognize that the thief on the cross also had to go through this process. And for however many hours or days he had left in life, he experienced this process. If you have... 70, 80 years on this earth, you might be going through this process a little longer, but it is a process that the Holy Spirit can and will do if you allow him to do it. Amen? But there are just some things that we have to choose to do. We have to choose to give up some things. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. All things are passed away. Behold, what? All things are become new, amen? And by the time you come to verse 20, you know what it says? We then are ambassadors for Christ. Amen? And we have become ministers of reconciliation, amen? You don't have to worry about what you've done. Listen, when people tell you about your past, you tell them what God has done in your present, amen? And by the grace of God, make sure that you daily choose God so that you can continue to make your present the future. Always living in his presence. And so, as we close today, I want to share this final statement with you. We're told, when the Spirit of God takes possession of the heart, what does it do, everyone? It transforms the life. What type of thoughts? Sinful thoughts are put away. Evil deeds are what? Renounced. Love, notice this, love, humility, and peace take the place of anger, envy, and strife. Joy takes the place of sadness, and the countenance reflects the light of heaven. No one sees the hand that lifts the burden or beholds the light descend from the courts above. The blessing comes when by faith, when by what, everyone? The soul surrenders itself to God. Then that power which no human eye can see creates a new being in the image of God. What do you say, church? Friends, David's experience can be yours. Amen? And what Nicodemus learned that night, you are learning in day class. Amen? That experience can be yours. Amen? 
there are just some choices we're going to have to make. But even though they might be distasteful now, we will indeed enjoy making those choices as we continue to grow in the grace of God. Amen? And so, my friends, I have a question for us today. Even if you've already been baptized, or even if you have not yet been water baptized, you can still, by the grace of God, receive the Holy Spirit in your heart to give you or begin that new birth experience. Is that your desire today? You know what challenge you're having. And let me tell you what, somebody else knows. God knows. So we're not going to tell him anything he doesn't know. But he wants us to take it to him. Amen? Whatever that situation is. If we find a new way in the word of God, that's the way I want. What about you? And so, if it is your desire to make that statement, that declaration, even as we're about to sing our closing hymn, if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart today, would you step out of your pew and come down this afternoon? You have read that experience of David and you want that experience to be yours. He's calling. Don't worry about how it's going to happen. God has already figured that out. But that you want it to happen is the question today. And that you want to keep it if you are already experiencing that process. You want to keep holding on to that process until it's sealed and settled. Would you come? Just step out of your seat and come. He's calling. The song is, Take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord to Thee. If that is indeed the choice that you're making, would you come? It's hymn number 330. And if it does not appear on the screen, we can follow it in the books. Hymn number 330. He's calling. If you want to continue to have that experience, even now, He's calling. Consecrated Lord to me. 
Father in heaven, Lord, indeed you have called us once again. Lord, we want that new birth experience. Lord, we want your Holy Spirit fully resident in our hearts. Lord, we we want you to mold and fashion us according to your image, according to your likeness, that we might grow and develop and mature into that full stature of Christ. Father, remind us, Lord, that this is your work in our lives and that the part that we have to play, Lord, is to make that choice daily. Father, we know that Whatever you have promised, you can and will fulfill. We've seen how you did that and fulfilled that in the life of David and so many other Bible characters. Father, we want that experience to be ours. Not merely that experience, Lord, but we want that reality. Lord, that should you grant us the privilege being alive when you return, that we would have been sealed by your Holy Spirit. Father, should we pass before that time, we want to be a part of that first resurrection when you call all of your sleeping saints from the grave to rise to newness of life, to go home to be with you. Father, help us, Lord, to get ready and to be ready, we pray. Thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen, 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 amen.
Amen.